may be seated. It's good to see you. My name is Eric Ashley. I'm honored and grateful to be one of the pastors here and, and happy to be with you in worship this morning as we are starting this, uh, this is our second Sunday in Epiphany. Uh, the baptism of the Lord is, is, this is uh, the feast day, the feast part of the week. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, many times, you ever get a lot, collect a lot of stuff? Everybody, anybody have a lot of stuff? So we've been here 18 months. We still don't park a car in the garage, and we have a three-car garage, right? None of our two cars make it to the garage. Um, Christmas has never been quite put away in our house yet here. Um, but I saw this, I came across this meme this week. Tried that Japanese cluttering trend where you hold each thing you own and, and throw it out if it doesn't give you joy. So far, I've thrown out all the vegetables and the electric bill. <laughs> I saw another version that was by a, a wife that said, my husband leaves next week. So uh, I'm going to make sure that I don't fall into that category too much. Tracy's going away this week, so I'm probably safe for at least one more week. But we all, uh, we all collect a lot of stuff, and, and, and sometimes we find our identity in there, you know, and how much stuff we collect. And, and now our generation and, and, and the generation behind us, it seems like we have more house than we had in previous generations, but we still have more stuff. In fact, I learned this week that uh, there are 52,592 storage facilities in the United States, soon to be 52,593 because we've got a new one going up on Fishhawk Boulevard. There are so many, so many storage facilities. In fact, there's, there's only 100, about 100,000, a little less than 100,000 public schools in the United States. So we have, for every public school, or for every two public schools, we have one storage facility. That's just kind of crazy, isn't it? And uh, there's this graphic here. It's quite interesting. So the, the uh, storage facilities are represented by the, the yellow. That's the 50, almost 53,000 storage facilities. Do you guys have any guess on what is number two in that blue area? Be careful, you're going to be a part of that Japanese decluttering thing there, John. That's post offices. 31,000 post offices. Number three, any guesses for three? Three are subway restaurants, 27,000 subway restaurants. Four, four and five are kind of close. Any ideas? McDonald's is one. Starbucks is the other. And then uh, the, the rest of the list, five, the six, seven, eight, nine, ten are, are similar. It goes, uh, and, and you can kind of check this off of how many we have these in our neighborhood. Walgreens, Pizza Hut, 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, not quite yet, and CVS, but not too far away, right? So in all total, there are more storage facilities than there are McDonald's, Subways, and Starbucks. That's kind of crazy to believe to me. It is the fastest go growing space in commercial real estate. And it, it gets over uh, $36 billion a year in revenue in the United States. To put that in perspective, the, the music industry worldwide is $18 million. 
So, in fact, just so you, if, you're, if you need to store some more stuff, there's 21 square feet of storage, self-storage space available for every household in the United States. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you have a storage facility where you're storing your extra stuff that you can't quite fit in your, your home. In fact, uh, Francine Russo says this about, about this trend. Our possessions do not make us feel secure by substituting for important people in our lives. We actually see these objects as an extension of ourselves. We believe or, or perhaps act as if we believe that in some ways our very presence permeates our things. If these things become damaged or lost, we ourselves become damaged or lost. There's been an enormous amount of research on the widespread problem of hoarding. One of the main factors is the presence of disorders such as depression and anxiety, which make people emotionally vulnerable. Hoarding sufferers use their belongings to safeguard their identity, to soothe their fears, and to build fortresses to make them feel secure. I was also finding that one of the main reasons that uh, people use storage units is to, to hold the stuff that they no longer need or want. That's kind of a strange thing. You no longer need it or want it, but you need to store it, right? So, uh, you know, many times we find our identity in those things that we have and collect. But uh, we're going to talk about today that our identity is not found in the stuff we have or in the, what we attain, but our identity is found in Christ Jesus as followers of him. So I want to make sure everyone got a, got a bulletin. Make sure there's lots of information. There's lots of stuff going on in the next couple months here at, at Grace. And make sure you follow along. And the website is a great place to get information. If you're a digitally-minded person, you can get all this right on the website. Just click on worship services, and there's a digital version. Make sure you fill out a Connect card during some of the low times in worship, and, and uh, then you can uh, put that in the basket as it comes around during uh, the offering time. If you like the digital thing, you can do that right on your phone and hit submit and be done. And, and we think we've got the Wi-Fi. We think we're on track getting the Wi-Fi fixed, so hopefully that should work. If you still have trouble with Wi-Fi, go off on the cell, your cell power, and, and then hopefully it'll work. But uh, we appreciate you. Welcome to worship. I'm so glad to be here and worship on this second Sunday of Epiphany. Would you stand as we continue to worship, please? So as I alluded to earlier, I, our text this morning is the, is the baptism of Jesus. And, and we're going to be kind of wandering in and out different Gospels, mostly in the Gospel of Luke until Ash Wednesday. And, and today we find ourselves in, in Luke chapter 3. And we're going to as you see on the screen, we're going to bounce around a couple different verses, and, um, but we're going to start in verse 3. So hear, hear the word of God. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. And then John said to the crowds that uh, came to be baptized by him, he, he shared lots of teaching with them and, and was uh, telling them why they needed to come and change their hearts. And then the crowds asked him, well, what then should we do? 
And he answered, Whoever has two shirts must share the one who has none, and whoever has food must do the same. And then he went on to to even share more specifically with different people groups who, who have been kind of on the edge of the Hebrew society. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? And he replied, Collect no more than you are authorized to collect. And then, and then some of the soldiers came that, that were on the edge because they served both Rome and the Hebrew nation. And the soldiers asked, well, what about us? What, what should we do? And the answer is, don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. And the people were, were filled with, with expectation and everyone wondered whether John might be the Christ. But John replied to them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And with many other words, John appealed to them, proclaiming the good news to the people. When everyone was being baptized, Jesus also was baptized. While he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit came down on him in bodily form like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven, you are my son whom I dearly love and you I find happiness. Good old John the Baptist. We, we talked about John the Baptist a couple couple weeks ago, and, and um, you know, he's this, he's this kind of weird guy living out in the desert, wearing camel hair and leather clothes, you know. He might be hanging out in one of these biker bars, kind of has that look maybe to him, I don't know. Maybe even too weird for that. You know, ate locusts and honey, you know. And according to, to every illustration I've ever seen of him in any books or anything or online, you're like, it definitely looks like he never owned a hairbrush, for sure. Just a weird, wild-looking kind of guy. And, and John the Baptist was a, was a forerunner of Jesus. He, he was reflecting the light of Jesus by, by living his life in much the same way as Jesus. You know, some of these teachings we just heard are very similar to things that we will hear from Jesus. If, if you have two shirts and someone doesn't have one, then, then give someone your extra shirt. If, if you have plenty of food, then share that with others. Those are, sound very similar to teachings that Jesus is going to teach shortly in the Gospels. And many people in those crowds thought that he might be the long-awaited Messiah. He had a lineage coming. His dad was a priest. Zechariah was a priest and worked in the temple. and So he had some of the lineage. They thought he might be the Messiah. However, he was always very clear in saying that he was not. Saying instead that, that there is one coming who is more powerful than me. I'm not even worthy of untying his sandals. I'll baptize you with water here in this river, but, but, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire from heaven. John the Baptist was, was always pointing 
toward the true Messiah. Last week we, we talked about this concept of, as we're looking at this epiphany series and, 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 and how we're seeing how the light of Christ illuminates the darkest places still today in our world and, and the darkest places within us, we talked about this idea of, of signaling and guiding, that, that we are called to, to be signals to people and, and guides to bring them to Jesus. And, and that's exactly what John the Baptist was doing. John the Baptist was a signal of change your lives, live your lives differently. And he was a guide to people to show them how to get there. Do this and move towards this guy because he's the true Messiah. So the, the Israel crowds were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a king whose identity was found in, in great pomp and circumstance. You know, you just kind of hear, hear Elgar beginning to play, right? Just like it was in, in Palestine. You had to have Elgar in Palestine, right? Love Elgar, the graduation song, Pomp and Circumstance. There's such great royalty and regalness with that. They were looking for a king that would look and feel like that. To, to be part of this historic monarchy of Israel. They wanted another king in the line of David who would, would fight for them and would free them from the oppression of the Roman rule and, and restore their nation back to its historic grandeur. They just were pining and wanting that so badly. But that's not... That's not who Jesus was. That's not who Jesus is. In, instead, they, they got a baby born in a stable to, to parents, to, to poor parents, and in a crowded stable, in a dirty stable, in a probably a smelly stable. And he wasn't visited by royalty from all the ancient Near East. He was he was visited by dirty, smelly, outcast shepherds from the fields and from foreigners, uh, magi that we talked about last week, from many miles that they had traveled far from. He didn't get any of the royal visits like we may have read about in the Old Testament of them visiting Solomon and, and King David. So amongst all that, Jesus does the unexpected thing. And, and again, he, he approaches the Jordan River where this group of people and John the Baptist are and, and the people are being baptized. And without any pomp or circumstance, without any red carpet rollout, he entered the water just like everyone else. Jesus was just with them. Just like one of them. He wasn't what the crowds expected. But his identity was soon made known and confirmed when God began to speak. The text says that as Jesus was praying, the heavens opened and God spoke. You'll see as we go throughout Luke, if, if you read along through Luke with us, that 
the, the, the scene of Jesus praying is an important one to Luke. This, this part of the text is not in any of the other, other Gospels. The other Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or Matthew, Mark, and John don't say that Jesus was praying when the heavens opened up. But Luke makes extra care and time to say that Jesus was praying. And you'll see that throughout his Gospel. He puts an emphasis on Jesus being a man, a person of prayer. So now as Jesus is praying, then we have these wonderful words, you are my son. You are my son whom I dearly love, and in you I find happiness. Friends, that is Jesus' identity. Not the red carpets or the pomp and circumstance or the, the royalty of the lineage of David. And it was in baptism that God spoke those words to and over Jesus. You are my son, whom I dearly love, and in you I find happiness. So what about this baptism thing? For, for us as Wesleyans, as United Methodists, it, we believe it's a sign of the grace of God that claims us as God's own children. It's, it's a rite of initiation into the body of Christ or into the church. Not into the church building, but into the body of Christ that is the church. And, and it's the beginning point of our spiritual journey. No matter where you are on that spiritual journey, it may, your baptism may have happened earlier as an, as an infant. For me, it was in, in September of 1972. I was uh, two or three months old in Ann Arbor, Michigan at at the, the Lutheran Church, King of Kings Lutheran Church, and um, I have no I have no remembrance of that. Knowing my family, there was probably some commotion that day, probably. But so for for me, that was part of my spiritual journey, a beginning point. But but maybe you haven't been baptized, or maybe you were baptized later, and and. We still had a spiritual journey before that, but this is a new marking of a new beginning. So it's the beginning point of a spiritual journey. It's where you are commissioned into ministry. Did you know that? You're commissioned into ministry. We're all right there, hands laid on, now go out and be ministers. We're, in fact, they say, and Paul says, that we are part of the, the priesthood, of all believers. You all are priests. Ready for that? We're all priests. We're all part of the priesthood of believers. It's part of our salvation journey. Our, our book of discipline, the, the governing book of our, of our uh, denomination, says that baptism signifies entrance into the household of faith, becoming a part of the body of Christ. We are people for whom Jesus Christ lived, died, and was resurrected. However, as just like, just like the Israelites, we, we tend to like some of the pomp and circumstance. We tend to like some of the, the red carpet feel and, and the title and the perks that come along, right? I mean, I like that sometimes when, you know, it makes me feel good when kind of like I'm known by something. It's part of our humanness that comes out. 
We like those things. And, but that's not following Jesus' lead. Through, through baptism, we become part of we become part of this royal family, not to rule from afar looking down on others, not to rule on afar by our title and our and our position, but to get down in the trenches. To get down in the trenches of life inside the walls of our church and inside outside the walls of our church into the lives of the people in our community and our friends and neighbors and colleagues and people we don't even know. The um, Reverend Dr. Robert Daniels, who is the interim, interim rector at All Saints Episcopal in Beverly Hills, California. That's a, probably a terrible place to work. Says this about baptism. Jesus was not baptized because he had sinned, nor was this a coronation as a Davidic monarch. Jesus' baptism was God's anointing of him, God's commissioning of him to a mission of servanthood. Jesus was appointed, born to be among us as one who saves and serves the whole world, as one who passes the lifeline to others and calls us to do the same. Not anointed or coronated, not even sworn in, but he was put on a mission. He was commissioned to go out into the world to save and serve all the world. And, and friends, that is where we get our identity because he calls us to do the same thing. That is our identity. Our identity has not come in the form of, of things that we save and hoard and keep and obtain and, or the size of our bank accounts or, or whatever else we may measure our self-worth by. Our identity is found in the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. And when we are baptized, we experience a holy, mysterious, and, and, and supernatural movement of God. And we try to put words to describe its human words, and, and, and friends, it's really quite undescribable. Indescribable? Indescribable. One of those words. Our words don't do it justice. We're baptized. We experience a holy, mystery, mysterious, supernatural movement of God where we are empowered to live our lives as fully devoted followers of Christ. Instead of living inwardly focused and, and self-centered and self-serving lives, rather, we become commissioned in baptism to serve others, to, to live generously, and to illuminate the dark places of the world with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of our ministry of my ministry and your ministry. Baptism is the beginning of our ministry, not a ticket to escape the world. It's the beginning, not an end. It's an anointing, not an arrival. It's a commissioning, not a coronation. 
Friends, the, the, the main thing today that we, we need to remember is that in baptism we are saved to serve the whole world. Very much different from putting a Davidic king on the throne. Jesus wasn't baptized to, to be, be served by the whole world, but Jesus was baptized to, be, to save and to serve the whole world. And we are to do the same. We are baptized to save and serve the whole world. Amen? Amen. So today we have the, uh, the honor and the privilege uh, to have a baptism today. And then we're going to spend a few minutes remembering our baptism. So I want to invite Hannah to come up. <laughs> Friends, this is uh, Hannah Lips, and she's been with us for several months. And uh, she is desiring to be baptized. <laughs> Good. So let's join together in this liturgy that unites us as well. Oh, first let me tell you. So Hannah is also this is the wife of Joe and the mom of Clara, who's five, and Charlotte, who's two as well. All right? So brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present to you Hannah Victoria Lips for baptism. A couple questions for you. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves? I do. do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? And according to the grace given you, will you remain faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? Yes. And as always, I'll share with you again, we, we don't do this by ourselves. Hannah is a very intelligent and very able woman, but she can't grow into a fully devoted follower of Jesus without the help of this community. So a couple questions for you, church. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include Hannah into your care? Let us pray. 
Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness through their, throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is with you and the Holy Spirit and lives and reigns forever. Amen. Anna Victoria Lips, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Anna, may the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now it is our joy and my privilege to welcome our new sister in Christ. And you respond. And friends, I think I want to I start a new thing. It may, and I hate when we do traditions the very first time, but it felt right today that uh, together we're going to share these next words, the same words, the similar words that, that God spoke to Jesus as he was praying. Hannah, you are God's daughter. God dearly loves, and in you God finds happiness. Friends, May the God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. Let's welcome Hannah to the family of God. Congratulations. Glad you're here. I think I would be remiss if we didn't just pause for a moment and, and just check and see if, if anyone may be feeling led if you have not been baptized, if you've never been baptized in the Christian church, that perhaps you're feeling the nudge of the Spirit that this might be the time. And I just want to leave this space open, that if that is what you're feeling, that... Um, would invite you to come forward and, and, and we would be happy to welcome you into the family of God this morning. Let's just pause for a moment in silent prayer. And if, if you're feeling that leading, come on up. If not, that's okay. But let's just pause and reflect for a moment.
Oh God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the example of baptism that John brought us. An example that that Christ gave to us as a commissioning for ministry. We give you thanks for our own baptisms and those that are yet to come that you would walk with us. That you would just not call us into ministry and push us into ministry and, and leave us alone but that you are walking with us along the way present with us always. We give you thanks, O Lord. Amen. I don't want to exclude anyone, myself included, that that we're going to take this last few minutes and we're going to remember our baptisms. Perhaps like me, you were were a little infant and and you don't remember it. We're we're not talking about necessarily remembering, remembering the exact event you know, we're not talking about day and time and what was like, and maybe you remember that. Maybe you do know time and date, and, and you can reflect on the, the place and, and the, the feel and maybe even the smell of the place. It's such an image for you. But as we remember, we're remembering and celebrating this gift of God, this gift of grace. In, in much the way, same way we might celebrate a birthday or an anniversary. We don't remember our birth, but we celebrate it, and it's an important part. And so this day we're going to celebrate and remember our baptisms, and I would enjoy and you, I would ask you to join me in participating in this liturgy. My words will be in orange on the screen, and yours will be in white. Sisters and brothers in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, God's Spirit has been poured out upon water, water poured over and immersing us, water that flows freely in all who will receive it, water from the streams of God's saving power and justice, water that brings hope to all who thirst for righteousness, water that refreshes life, nurtures growth, and offers new birth. Today we come to the waters to renew our commitments in each other's presence, to Christ who has raised us, the Spirit who has birthed us, and the Creator who is making all things new. And so I ask you, will you turn away from the powers of sin and death? Will you let the Spirit use you as prophets to the powers that be? evil, injustice, and oppression. Will you proclaim the good news and live as disciples of Jesus Christ, his body on earth? Will you be living witnesses to the gospel individually and together wherever you are and in all that you do? Will you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? 
The Spirit of the Lord is with us. Let us pray. Almighty God, the life you birthed in us by baptism into Jesus Christ will never die. Your justice never fails. Your mercy is everlasting. Now I invite you. Spirit flows where you will. We cannot stop you, God. But sometimes we try. We try to block the flow. We redirect the winds of the Spirit, or we walk so far from the life-giving stream that we do not hear its sound, and we forget its power. We parch ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come upon these waters. Let these waters be to us drops of your mercy. Let these waters renew in us the resurrection power of Jesus. Most holy God, Abba, Father, Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, Spirit of fire, Spirit over the waters, Spirit of holiness, Eternal God, one in three and three in one. Amen. Friends, uh, we have some stations here, the, our main baptismal bowl and, and our former baptismal bowl and our former, former baptismal bowl in the back. There's three stations and we're going to put on some soft music. We're going we're gonna to just have a time of reflection. We'll lower the, the lights on the stage a little bit. And uh, I invite you in the, in the manner that we come for, for communion, like maybe down these center aisles, to come and to place your hands in the baptismal waters. And in there you'll find a, you'll find a stone. It, it's okay to linger in here. These are life-giving, living waters. And find a stone you like. And take it as a, as a remembrance. Take it as a signal to help you remember this day. To remember your baptism. To remember that, friends, you are a child of God whom God dearly loves and whom God finds happiness. So as the music plays, I just invite you to linger I'm going to invite you to, um, as you come, and you can, you can pray at the kneeling rails, and I'll be honored to pray with you. Just lift a hand if you want me to pray with you. I'll be honored to do that. And uh, if not, that's okay. It's a great place to pray by yourself. And we're just going to, today, we're going to leave quietly. And, and uh, you can exit quietly. I'd ask you not to, not to talk until we to leave the room, but just to, to carve out these next few moments as, as a holy and special time and place that to experience God's presence, to remember your baptism, to remember your commissioning and anointing as a follower of Christ. Amen? Friends, come to the waters. Come to the living waters that flow. <laughs>